The KC Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Live from Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, here's your host, Sterling Holmes. Welcome into the KC Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here from 6 until 7 p.m. Again, this is the Chiefs Legends Show, and we have a legend tonight. Art Still will be joining us, Hall of Fame defensive lineman, four-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro. Again, I cannot wait to talk to Art Still. We will talk to him in just about six or seven minutes. Getting a nice look at the previous Chiefs' victory over the Chargers as they move to 6-1. and one. We'll take a look ahead at what that matchup might look like against the Denver Broncos, as well as get Art's thoughts on the state of the NFL and his career. Before we get there, little news, Justin Ross, it looks like, has been booked, or has been arrested but not charged, booked earlier today on a criminal charge, according to the Johnston County Sheriff's Office booking and release report, uh, looking at Harold Coons from Fox 4 out there on his Twitter account. Uh, looks like they are working to confirm, but that is the update we have so far. The criminal damage is over $25,000, so uh, we will relay any information as we get it, but again, wanted to keep you guys posted, not get ahead of ourselves there, but that's what it looks like like so far uh, in regards to the Justin Ross situation. It is a wait and see. Uh, In regards to Nick Bolton, Nick Bolton will have surgery on his dislocated wrist. Sources tell ESPN today. Bolton is now expected to miss six weeks. The surgery is scheduled for Tuesday, tomorrow in Los Angeles. A source tells ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Now, the signing of Drew Tranquil looms large. Brett Veach, congratulations. Uh, somehow he knew that the Chiefs were to need some extra linebacker depth. We all thought it was a little weird at the time. The Chiefs are already deep at linebacker. Again, I understand it. Drew Tranquil was brought in on a very team-friendly deal. I was very excited when it happened, but I was wondering, how is the playing time going to even out? How are you going to get these uh, this many talented linebackers onto the field at the same time? Well, Break in case of emergency. Well, that case is broken. Nick Bolton, again, expected to miss six weeks. I wonder what the snap count looks like, not just in regard to Drew Tranquil. You know, you hate seeing Nick Bolton go down. He is your green dot. He is one of the leaders on the defense. He was sixth on the Chiefs this season in tackles. And he already missed three games earlier in the season with an ankle injury. But Drew Tranquil, who was the green dot out there with the Chargers in the past, Tranquil obviously coming up with a nice sack against his former team yesterday on Sunday. Sunday. Tranquil actually has 37 tackles, in, which is leading the Kansas City Chiefs this season. He also has two and a half sacks and a forced fumble. You hate seeing injuries to any player. You hate seeing injuries to the green dot, to the play caller on defense. But when you have a guy as polished, a guy who is as smart and talented and as versatile as Drew Tranquil, you hope that you can weather the storm. Now, I also wonder what this means to an extent for Leo Chennault. Leo Chennault's playing uh, time has been, quite frankly, a little all over the place. In this previous game, Leo Chennault played only 18 snaps. Obviously, Nick Bolton played, uh, looks like, 47 snaps. It was 75% of the time before he went out in this one. 
I know we know Drew Tranquil will play more, but does this equal an increased role for Leo Chennault? The reason being, Nick Bolton's best attribute outside of being a green dot and being the play caller is a guy who can get downfield and a guy who can stuff the run. Drew Tranquil is a slightly lighter linebacker. While, yes, he is the green dot, he will take over those duties, we all assume. And while he is great, obviously, in design blitzes, as well as pass coverage last year, he was PFF's top 15 linebacker in pass coverage. He's a little lighter. That is not the best part of his game. I wonder if that means we will see an increased role for Leo, where he thrived getting downhill, where he thrived towards the end of last season stuffing the run. It might not just be a Drew Tranquil one-for-one in for Nick Bolton, who, again, is slated to miss six weeks, but maybe we'll see an increased role for Leo as well. Once again, we will keep you guys updated on the Justin Ross front as more details start to come in, as we start getting more details relayed to us. But we're not here for that right now. We are here for a good time as the Chiefs move to 6-1. and one. Chiefs looking down on everyone in the NFL. Everyone in the NFL, all those 31 other teams, 31 other fans of other teams, they were laughing. The Chiefs are 0-1, right? They're 0-1, the only team with a loss as they lost the Thursday opener to the Detroit Lions. Who was laughing now as the Chiefs back on top? We will take a quick break right here as we are live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll take a break, come back, and we'll be joined by Chiefs Hall of Fame defensive lineman Art Still right for this Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome again to Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We will be here until 7 p.m. for the Chiefs Legends Show. Joined now, Chiefs Hall of Fame defensive lineman Art Still. Art, how are you? All right, how are you feeling this, though? I mean, I'm feeling good. I, I feel like we actually have a slight rivalry going on because you went to Kentucky, which congratulations, by the way, getting inducted to the College Football Hall of Fame, and I went to Mizzou. Now, hey, 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 hey. I knew, hey, I knew there was a connection there someplace. I knew you was going to get to it sooner or later. <laughs> I had several people already jammed me up on that and all. <laughs> I, I got to say, you know, when I, I told the folks out in Kentucky, I said, man, hey, Mizzou's going through a phase right now. Let them have this win. We need hey, something, Art. <laughs> we got to have something, Art. We Mizzou fans over here, we, we get so uh, so downtrodden. We, we we always we can't have nice things. Okay, we're uh, used to losing in the in the late stages, so that game was never was never uh, a sure thing for me. Oh, back in the day, you know. But I mean, hey, you go back and, and you talking about MU when they started off in the southeast, and you know that first year, I guess with Gary was there, Gary, man, they they won everything. Yeah, well, I'm 29, Art. Uh, I don't have that here. Okay, well, you don't have it here. <laughs> no, hey, that's not a fact. You know, when it is a fact. In conference, they, man, they kicking butt all, kicking everybody's butt. Uh, well, you were kicking everyone's butt in the NFL, by the way. I want to bring something up. I don't know if you know this, because sacks obviously were not considered an official stat until 1982. It looks like Pro Football Reference went back and tried to count your sack numbers. What do you think you officially ended up with? I don't know if you know this or, or not here. Um, I don't I don't know exactly. I, I mean, do you have a number or something? I, I, I never knew exactly, because like you said, it was just kind of funny. I thought they were counting them when I started off, but then again, I don't. 
uh, you know, See, some type of center, I get some more money and stuff. If I get a certain amount, you think the Chiefs give me some more money? Hey, it can't hurt to ask, right? Because they say you finished with 48 and a half. Now, according to Pro Football Reference, they got you down for 80. They had another 14 and a half season for you in 1980. I think, come on, I think you got to go back and get that money now. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, great. I would have had to, you know, I had to call, you know, being living in a senior citizen home, man, and drinking in shore and getting the diapers changed every once in a while. You know, sometimes I can't catch any type of transportation getting over to the stadium. <laughs> well, then bring that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, might, I might get a Uber going over there and all, too. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to bring this up, Art, because you are a Chiefs Hall of Fame defensive lineman. No one is better to break this down than you. The Chiefs defense has been absolutely electric in, uh, this year, especially on the defensive line. You know, Chris Jones, George Karloftis, and then you add the addition of Charles and Minahu. What have you seen from them so far? Well, I, yeah, and, you know, it's, it's one of those deals, too, because especially, you know, the Chargers and all, I guess when you're playing a conference game, man, it's no matter what the record is. I mean, that's out the window and all. It's, it's, there's some serious competition. But um, the defensive line has been doing their job. And then you think about it, you know, the quarterback the Chargers have and the offense they have, shut them out for a whole half. You can't beat that at all. So, I mean, it, that's. To you know that defensive line, which is that's uh, that's the uh, uh, what, what say that's the center of the earth, so to speak, on the on the whole team. People think maybe it's you know the offense and all, but that defensive line is more so the the, the core. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to win in the trenches, and again, the Chiefs yeah. did that against the Chargers. And what's so impressive and what stands out for me is the Chiefs' defensive line's versatility. I mean, guys going inside, outside, Chris Jones inside, outside, Charles Aminahu inside, outside, uh, George Karloftis, as well as the most underrated player for the Chiefs, uh, seems like perpetually over the past few seasons, Mike Dana. I mean, can you speak to how difficult it is for these guys to play both inside and outside on the defensive line? Well, you know what? You 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 got to have some skills and all too, and the thing is, it's just kind of funny because when I played, my, and it's just kind of funny, and, and, and there's a coaching look at that. Not only as far as athletic skills, but keeping your body. You know, I'll give you an example. I played um, left defensive end my whole career, so once in a while I might have been in defensive tackle, but most of the time. But when you can go from left side to right side, you know, it's a different different beers, so to speak, on the field and all, too, handstands and all, too. And that shows you something about the versatility, you know, the ball players today and all. And at the same time, um, um, you know, you same thing for linebackers. You know, you got linebackers that – and it's all about teamwork and all. And, and as you've seen, like you said, on the defense, defensive line makes the difference and all because they put the pressure on the quarterback and they – Getting the tackle, I mean, the linebackers getting their face, they make the plays themselves. That's the win win situation and all, too. And I think that's what we're saying out there. Chiefs Hall of Famer uh, Art Still is our guest right here. Sports Radio 810 at WHB. We're here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway for the Chiefs Legends Show. You were a four-time Pro Bowler. What was that like getting that honors? How did you find out you, you, you were elected to the Pro Bowl? What's it feel like looking back knowing that four times you were named to the Pro Bowl? Well, you know, um, that was a great honor. But, I, hey, let me tell you a good story and all. You know, when I got inducted to the Chiefs Hall of Fame. 
But it was, um, you know, that was back. I was lifting up in the Buffalo area and all when Lenny Dawson called. I don't know if you heard his story. He called me about being inducted to the Chiefs Hall of Fame, which, again, the Pro Bowls, you know, that, that helped me get into the Chiefs Hall of Fame. But the, the classic on there, you know, getting a call from Lenny Dawson, and I'm up in New York, Buffalo, out in, you know, we live out in the backwoods. And Lenny, you know, he's explaining that they're going to duck me into the, you know, Chiefs Hall. And your name's going to be written on the wall. And so, you know, Lenny thought I should have been very excited, you know, excited about that part. And I told Lenny, I said, Lenny, hey, Lenny, uh, my name's been on the wall at the Chiefs Stadium since 1978. I said, you go in all the girls' bathroom. I had my name up on the wall and phone, Zodiac sign and all that stuff. No, but, you know, what you're saying, as far as those honors, man, you can't beat those at all. And, all. and again, yes, it takes an individual player and all, too. But to me, I give a lot of credit to the teams, the guys I played with and all, too. Because if you don't have good guys around you, that enhances your game, too. And, and, and so, I mean, it's an honor and a privilege. And then my all-time thing, you know, you're talking about memorable things and all. When I was in high school, my number was 83. If you guys remember the Raiders and all, you had the mad short, Ted Hendricks. And in the high school, that's, they used to call me Bird. My name was the mad short. So, you know, it was just kind of funny because that was one of the guys my size and all. He played outside linebacker. I played at that time. But, you know, I had, I don't know if it was 83 or 84 when I was over in the Pro Bowl. And you was mentioning Pro Bowls. It was one of those um, moments and all. I'm down in my stand, little mad store. Big Mad Stork, I'm playing side by side by, you know, a guy that I, I, I admired and wanted to be like and all too. And, you know, those kind of stories you hear about. And that was like reality for me. I mean, it was just like one of those kind of moments. Those aha moments and all too. I, I want to bring something up because you're talking about now being in Kansas City. You, you lived in New York, you know, outside of Buffalo, actually. You, you were born in Camden, New Jersey, which I know very well. I lived in Philly for three years just on the other side of the, uh, yeah. the Delaware right there. Yeah. What was it like going from Delaware to Kentucky? And then now you're in Kansas City. You're drafted second overall in the 1978 NFL draft. What was your thought process saying, hey, I'm going to Kansas City, the Midwest right here? Well, you know, externally to think about, you know, and, and it's, you know, times have changed so much. When I was living in Canada, we lived in the projects, you know, the story, you know, don't have economically and all that kind of bad area and all, too. But, you know, you're here nowadays, young folks, man, they ain't talking about the NFL. Back then, man, it was almost like getting out of that area. And so that's one of the reasons why I went to Kentucky and all, man. I just want to be away from the area and all, too. And, um, it was just, you know, um, um, of going and getting drafted, that took it to another level. Even when I got in, in college and all, it wasn't about, you know, making it in the pros. It was like, okay, I'm out of Camden. Then I got an opportunity to get a, not, not only play ball, but also like the opportunity to get a, you know, uh, um, you know, in the degree and all too. And then it wasn't until my junior and senior year, that's when I started getting noticed and all. That's when I started thinking a little bit more in that in, 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 in that realm as far as maybe have an opportunity. And then, like you said, you know, getting drafted, you know, Earl Campbell was the first player pick, and being the second player pick behind him, that was a great honor. And it's, you know, something I kind of cherish, you know, the rest of my life and all, too. 
Yeah, as I say, pretty good uh, one-two punch right there as far as the two dudes drafted in the 1978 NFL draft. Again, Chiefs Hall of Fame Art Still is our guest right here. I want to bring something up. In 1983, you went on an all-vegetarian diet. You played at 235 pounds. Why did you decide that you were going to try this all-vegetarian diet? Well, you know, I might have to get that all cleared up because people, you know, I, I was eating fish and fowl. So, I mean, the thing is, 1983, and, and if I tell you the reason why, you're going to understand. I got married in 1983. <laughs> <laughs> this is, and my wife was verified. My mother couldn't verify she's sleeping right now in the deep sleep. But my wife, she couldn't cook, man. I mean, she just... <laughs> And this is, and you, if you ask her the same thing, what happened was, after a year or so, we wound moving back, you know, build a house for my parents and all stuff. We moved back in the house for about a year or so, and then we had a house built. But my mom taught her how to cook and then I'm all right. But it was, it was a combination. And, and, and the diet, what I ate and all, cause they used to call me the nut and berry man. Anyhow, I was, the way I look at things, everybody's looking for the Chinese secret, so to speak, and how to take yourself to another level. Mine was more so about what I put in my system. I knew working out and those types of things and sleep was important, but what you eat before you go to the game, before you play a game, you know, the type of foods and all. And so when I play in the game, that's why I enjoy playing the whole game. I didn't want to come out. But, you know, most of the times I'm hoping the offensive lineman in front of me had a big old prime, you know, rib and all and had himself some bunch of potatoes and all that kind of stuff and, and just – Ate up the storm, you know, because the thing is, I found out, like, food is energy and fuel. But if you use it the right kind of way, it works in your favor and all. And so in that case, you know, maybe they start off strong, but, and I'm looking, I'm looking to finish it strong and all, too. So, you know, die, and even to this day, I still, still watch what I, and it becomes a, a life habit and all, so to speak, what I drink, what I put in my body and all. So I'm trying, as I tell people, I'm trying to extend my shelf life, so to speak. What's interesting there, actually, is with you being vegetarian, at least for a little bit there, at least, uh, I should say, you still ate, what was it, fish and poultry. Scott Wedman in the NBA, right? He was vegetarian here in Kansas City. Who would have thought? Because at that time, I always asked him, because he was actually my AAU basketball coach growing up, so I had a a lot lot of fond memories with Scott here, but at the the time, you know, working out and what you put into your body wasn't as known, right? You, you didn't yeah. focus on that as much. You know, weightlifting wasn't as uh, prominent, at least at that time. Do yeah. you ever wish you would have known more back then as far as what to uh, do working out-wise, how to keep yourself in shape better? Is that something you wish you would have known back then? Well, you know, what, what knowledge was back then and all helped me get where I was at anyhow from the start. Um, you know, another guy, I mean, you, you brought up about the vegetarian. You know who another was a vegetarian played for the Chiefs? Tight end was um that was one Tony Gonzalez. We didn't I don't know that. if Tony G was or not. If, if I'm not mistaken, I was going. I think he was, and a lot of players. When you think about Brady and all them guys, it's almost like you're trying to find you know how nutrition and all play to excel your game to take you to another level and all. And most of the, you know, most of the great ball players, man, you know, good ball players, man, they're doing things that maybe some of the other guys are not doing. I know even now the big thing too is Harborberg Chamber. You know, they're using, you know, the um, uh, farm for red sun, and th- those are the things I use now 
And I always tell people I'm playing a different game. The game I'm playing is the big game of life, you know, trying to stay away from the doctors. And as you start aging, you know, how that process go. But as far as athletes, man, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of – and then you can get your own private, you know, nutritionist or whatever. Um, and they can – you know, the way money is nowadays is how you can make money and playing ball. You can hire somebody, and you don't even have to do anything. But back then, you know, you had for me, I had to do all the research and for myself individually. But all that information is out there. We had a coach, um, a first coach back in the day, and his line was, you know, you want to, you know, I went to him talking about maybe putting weight on. He give you a book on stuff that may eat. You know, part of our play game, um, you know, our, our yearly book was talking about gaining weight, eat more fat more dairy products. I mean, it was all contrary to what things are today and all, too. So, And then, like you said, even before then, even before I was playing, weights was almost like a no-no, so to speak. You know, um, guys older than me, I think, like, you know, you look at Bobby Bell and all them guys, you know, maybe weights played a little, I mean, lifting and all that stuff played a little weight, but most of the fellas and all, they thought it was detrimental for your body and all. So, yeah. I guess as we go through time, we learn about a lot of things and all. Um, and that's, I'm still in that process. I still got, you know, even though I had a couple concussions, I'm still thinking in terms of being proactive, how I can do something to get me to the next level. Chiefs Hall of Famer right here, Art Still, is joining us on Sports Radio 810 WHB. I want to talk about how you were traded to the Bills in 1988. What was that like? You were in Kansas City for, what, 10-plus years. Next yeah. thing you know, you're going to Buffalo. That had to be a little bit of a shock to you. Can you talk us through this? Yeah, it was somewhat of a shock because, um, you know, you know, there was a lot of things going on in the organization and all, too. And at that time, they hired the special team coach, Frank Ganson, head coach. And there was this, I, you know, I, I guess there was some things and all that, you know, certain ways, he, you know, wanted things done. And I just, you know, if it didn't have anything to do with football or the business per se, you know, I, I didn't do it. It wasn't being rebellious. It just didn't make any sense to me. But then, you know, making that transition, and then they trade me up to Buffalo. Because I wanted to finish my career right here in Kansas City. This was home for me now, too. But, you know, had the opportunity of finishing up my career because the first person that drafted me was, was Marv Lee. So and then at that same time, the offensive coordinator was Walt Court. When I came to Kansas City and Walt, I guess, you know, you're talking about good people and all, his family and all. He's very, 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 he had a lot to do as far as with my career and all, too, along with a lot of players and other coaches and all, too. But going up to Buffalo wasn't too, Ted Cottrell was up there. Ted was here, too. So there was, there was pretty, you know, going up there as far as the coaching staff, you know, um, there was a lot of people from here. So it wasn't too bad of a transition. The weather was just a little different. But as a whole and all, different breed of folks up in all, too. Good fans up in there. And, and you know, when you got permafrost to the brain, I mean, I say permafrost to the brain living up in Buffalo, man, you know, there's some crazy things going on. But I couldn't, if I was going to finish up with the place and all, that was that was a great place, and, and, and to this day, I'm very appreciative that you know I had the opportunity to play for the Buffalo Bills and their organization. Uh, I will also say you had your only interception of your NFL career, your final year, age 34, 1989. You got your only interception in the NFL. Then, what was that like? 
Well, you know, I didn't want to, you know, they honored Dante Hall yesterday, you know, man. And I think when I hit the ground, I felt like, you know, when they, you know, I caught, I don't think I went that far, and all. I think it's my foot movement too much. I think I was doing the Michael Jackson, I think, in the same spot. And I came down, and I, that's where the X Factor came in. I came down and had the X, I'm like, had the ball x up on my arms and all, man. But, no, it, it was, I had, hey, did you, did you, you was talking about that. I had a touchdown in the Pro Bowl, and I think in that same Pro Bowl, I was saying about playing side-by-side with Ted Hendricks, you know, the mad store. I got a, um, a block kick, you know, and that was a winning score. I don't, I don't know if you can call back then, you know, but I ran about, I don't know, 80 yards or so, and it just seems like I was running like a marathon. You know, the gold kept on swaying to the left and the right. I thought maybe I got to hold some bad gummy bears. <laughs> Chiefs Hall of Famer Art Still is our guest right here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. When you see the NFL right now, you see the rules put in place to help uh, protect the quarterback. How hard would that have been for you? You know, to try to adjust to try to adjust to the oh, new rules. The regulations, you know, you can't hit them low, you can't hit them high, you can't put your full body weight on them. How oh, yeah. difficult would that be? Oh, that, that is tough. You know, because your, your mindset it might be changing a little bit because now they're starting to change rules. But back in the day, you know, you put your head, you're supposed to put your head right in the numbers, and just, you know. and But it, it is rough. Because, you know, I seen something yesterday where a guy made a sack, and I think it was a good sack. But the thing is, he's supposed to shift his body while he's stacking. I'm like, well, that's kind of hard. That's that's kind of, you know, you when you play in the emotional game like that, you ain't thinking. You think about just putting the man down. But now, if you do and it's illegal, they got to see you shifting your body or something. Then maybe they might let you go. That is, man, that that is almost like Matrix. <laughs> Get the guy, man. You ain't thinking about shifting. You thinking about laying them down, laying them down nicely. But, I mean, but it is. Those things, man, make the world a difference. And, and you know, too. And I, in my era, was a different story. And then if you go beyond that, you could – back then, they used to sling the quarterback around. They do all kinds of things to a quarterback. But I guess we got to protect the weak. I mean, um, the quarterback. <laughs> Hey, man, I, again, I'm all for uh, protecting Patrick Mahomes. Don't get me wrong, but at times I feel like if you are a defensive player, there are so many rules stacked against oh, you, yeah. so many different things you cannot do anymore, and I'm with you. I mean, as far as helmet to helmet and trying to protect some major injuries so players can play longer, extend careers, you know, have a longer period to, to earn money, I get that. I'm all for that, but at some point, too, it's almost detrimental to defensive players because they're trying to pull up as they're running full speed, at that point, you're actually hurting some of these big defensive linemen. But, again, you're right. The the NFL cares more about the quarterback. I won't say the weak. Come on. Now. I'm not. Mahomes is a strong dude. Uh, <laughs> hey, those, the quarterback is the moneymaker. So yes. And so the thing is, but then, you know, you think about it, you know, other rules. You know, you kick the ball off. How many times does the ball return? I'm just, I don't, you know, when they kick it off, they almost kick it through the, through the, um, do the upright, kicking a field goal. Then, how many you, you see many returns and all coming back on the kickoff? You do not. That, so what's the? I mean, it's almost what's the point? Just start off. You know, you get a little bit of extra time to play the game and all too. 
But yeah. I mean, there's a lot of you know little things here and there. I guess it's to make the game better and all. But it's a talent according what 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 generation you're from, what angle you're looking at, and um, um, you know because. You know, especially now, I, I guarantee you, talk to most of the players that are not playing now, they look at that, man. They say, you know, the league is getting a little soft. They use that word soft. You know, instead of playing the game for what it is. But then again, you know, you're taking serious injuries, concussions, and all those types of things. And there's a lot of pressure, too, in the league, man, to do things a little bit more safer. But that game, football is a game. That's not a, it's not, I don't know how safe you can make that game. Yeah. It's all about contact. Uh, live here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas at Speedway for the Chiefs Legend Show. Chiefs Hall of Famer Art Still is our guest. i got to talk about something here. You are a great athlete, don't get me wrong, but your younger sister... Hey, wait, wait. Va- <laughs> hey, wait, wait. You sound great. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm telling you a lot, but don't get me wrong. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Valerie, your sister, all-time um, leading hey, scorer... That ain't going to pop up too, man. I just... <laughs> Every time I can't go back to Kentucky, man, you know, well, you know, this is a true story and all. Joby Hall was, um, you know, UK's basketball team. They won it and all, two back when I was playing and all. Um, and then my sister came in after me, after I came to Kansas City. And so when I used to go back, they used to reference her as Art Steele's little sister. So now when I go back to Kentucky, I'm Valerie Steele's brother. So... <laughs> Because he broke all the men's scoring and basketball, scoring and rebounding and all, too. And, you know, people always get on me, hey, hi, you know, they they kind of jump for me. I said, well, you know, the thing is, the way we run it in our family, if she didn't take it to another level, we'd have probably disowned it. So, I mean, that's positive. <laughs> Growing up playing basketball, obviously you were older and everything. Did you have some pretty tough one-on-one matches with her? Um. I well, you know, I, I made her eat the ball several times and all, man. But they would call that brotherly abuse and all. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know, because there's, I had five other, I mean, four other brothers. Three of us were all about the same age and all. I got another brother played at University of Maryland. Then I had, I was my oldest brother, and I had a couple others, and my other brother Dennis and all too. So when she got around us, we didn't cut. We, you know, we, you know, you don't cut nobody no slack. So. I think environment makes a world of difference. It's almost like, you know, even you go through that stage and all, and you don't see it now in reference to sports because it's, they call it harassment or whatever, bullying and all. But it's almost like you, you earn a spot, even on the basketball court back in the neighborhood. You know, you earn spots. Um, but, you know, the things have got so, you know, even games down there. Every, there's no team, you know, younger guys, man, there's, there's no – Everybody's a winner. Everybody gets a medal and all, too, which, again, to me, it stays in life in that area where, you know, you got to compete if you're going to do good. But times have changed very much so. And in her situation, it's just like anything else. That was just part of part of the neighborhood, man. you you got to earn your spot. Nowadays, you know, things are a little different, though. So what we're seeing here is that Valerie needs to give you some more credit for helping her grow up like that. That's what uh, I'm no. hearing here. Hey, no comment. Hey, no. <laughs> hey, if the glove fit, man, you got to get a bigger one because you're probably holding water. Chiefs Hall of Famer Art Still is our guest right here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. When you look at what Patrick Mahomes has done through his young career already, it's just been 
unbelievable. Did you ever think when you started watching him play that he would turn into what we are cur- uh, currently witnessing? Yeah, I told him when he first, when he first came, I said, that man right there is going to make a difference for the team. And then I woke up from that dream two weeks ago. <laughs> no, hey, you know, hey, it's one of those, I'm, I'm telling you, because it's just, you know, given the opportunity, and the, the skills and all are there. There's a, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying any different for him and all, but there's a lot of ball players got the skills, man. It's just when given the opportunity of taking advantage of it. And, you know, in his situation, when he was given that, when he came in, he took advantage of it. You know, and, and again, a lot of times things are timing and all, too, in life. Just like even with me, when I got drafted as second player, it was a combination, you know, some skills involved in that, but it was according, you know, the team at that time needed a defensive lineman. I was in a position and all, too. But then again, when you get an opportunity, you know, coming in, if you don't take advantage of it, there's always thousands of guys behind that want that position and all, too. And I think, you know, with passing and a lot of, all, you know, all the ball players, man, that mindset is I'm, I'm going to be on top of my game until I can't be on top of my game because everybody knows once you start slipping a little bit, all of a sudden somebody else is in there and all, too. But um, as a ball player and as an individual and all, um, I think he comes from a good stock, and too. When I say stock, you know, I met his father and all, man, real nice, good people and all, too. And, again, it's reflecting on himself and all how he takes care of his family. Not only his only little ones, but his whole family as a whole and all, too, and those around him. That's a reflection of just the type of person he is. Art Still is our guest right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. You were NFL All-Rookie Team in 1978. I, I think you see a lot of guys struggle to translate from college to the NFL, but obviously that was not a major issue for you. How were you able to be so effective as you got into the NFL, that transition period? How were you able to make that so seamless? Well, you know, again, it's, it's, individually I can't speak from I mean, I can speak to myself somewhat, but I also – that transition, I'm also, when I came from Kentucky and all, I was like an outside linebacker, stand-up linebacker. So it was a transition getting a three-point stand. But, and I'll go back to 1978. There was a guy by the name of Big Nick, Jim Nicholson. And, Nick, you know, he, he was often starting offensive tackle for the Chiefs and all. And I can remember we were in camp. So when you're in camp, you, you, it's about main, getting your job or or getting your starting position or, or making a team. And Big Nick is fighting for his position. I'm fighting for mine. And I can remember after practice up here at William and Jewel, and this was all the time, he'd take me out to practice and show me moves on him. And and, and so I always had a, you know, he was always somebody special in my heart and all, too, because he didn't have to do that. Because he's trying to make the team just like I'm trying to make the team and he showed me moves on him and how to do moves on offensive linemen, which again, most people ain't going, you know, ain't going to tell you, they ain't going to give you their secrets and all. But it was very influential as far as me making that transition over and all, especially as a rookie coming in and then, you know, being drafted, you know, first round, you usually get harassed and all too. But as a whole, like I said, you had Tommy, Tommy Condon on that side and all too. So I had, a lot of the fellas, man, in there that, that you know, offensive linemen that took me aside. Then another guy that stands out, too, is Bucky Tanner. I remember coming up in camp, and Bucky used to give me some tips here and there. So it was, 
collectively, it wasn't just me. It was, I, I would say, a support system around me and all. So, you know, I had uh, Walt Coy, who was my defensive line coach. So, you know, all those things, all those ingredients, and my, my ability to moonwalk once in a while, you know, put together and all, kind of helped me through that transition and where I got myself today and all, so to speak. And I don't even know where I'm at. I think I'm at, I'm at the senior citizen home. Chiefs Hall of Famer uh, Art Still is our guest right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. As we look ahead, the Chiefs are 6-1. and one. They are atop of the NFL, atop the AFC. You know, you heard fans from 31 other teams as the Chiefs fell week one to Detroit, losing by one point, saying, oh, look at the Chiefs. They're in the cellar right now. You look up a few weeks later, and everyone is looking up at the Chiefs. They face Denver in Denver uh, this upcoming week. What are your thoughts on this six and one start for the Chiefs here? Well, it's just like anything else, you know. I'll, if you go back a few years ago, some of the teams and all, I think I don't know if it's Patrick's um, first first year as far as starting quarterback. That's when they went to the Super Bowl, wasn't that the first year? Went to the Super Bowl, then. then we go to yeah, the- first first year starting, yeah. Yeah, and but you know, you remember that? It's just kind of funny because how did we win those games? Was it in the first half or the second half? And, you know, you think about it, you know, we we got comfortable, man, because we know the Chiefs, if they was under halftime, you know, at the end of the game, they're going to figure it out. But, you know, it's the same thing that first game and all. People probably thinking, man, we won those seasons and all. But, again, that game, and it's just life in general, man. It's just full of adjustments, man. You got to make during the game while you're in operation and all, so to speak. And the Chiefs, you know, you know, from there, from you take the last three or four or five years or whatever and all, it's 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 it's, it's a slow build. I mean, I wouldn't say a slow build, but but you know, we had that confidence, even though we might be a little tight, we can pull this one out. It makes a world of difference, all mentally and all too. But then again, I keep thinking too. There's key ball players, you know, you think um, um, Rick and some other guys, people thinking, oh, these players are gone, and this right here, our team's going. But when you have not just players, but you got a good coaching staff, you know, uh, um, good organization and all, you know, you know, the top organization and all, too, in the league, and you're putting that all together, working together, you know, it's a win-win situation, as you can see. When you talk about the Chiefs organization, that's something that it seems, uh, seems to always stand out from former players and current players alike, is the Chiefs organization is top-notch. The Hunt family is a great family. They run this the right way. What is the difference from this and other teams? I know you only played for Buffalo for, for two years there, but it does seem like Kansas City has a different vibe. A lot of players who spent time here, well, they settle back here in Kansas City, and they're still massive fans of the Kansas City Chiefs. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, too, is a combination. I know when I was playing ball, you had Jen Shaft and Stedman and all, general manager and president. And, again, you know, some things just didn't make any sense because even back then, usually if you know how I coach, I know when, you know, the only time we went to the playoffs when I was with the Chiefs and I was with McAvick, and then we played in one playoff game, and I thought we were going, you know, the following years, like momentum, and then they – Fire him. The first playoff game we played in, I think, 10, 12, 13 years, they fire him. Then they hired a special team coach. So sometimes and you got, you know, like I said, 
Paul Peterson, when he came in, things start changing a lot. And then you got Mark, Mark Donaldson in there and all. And then, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it, it starts, I mean, you got to have the players and all, but again, it's got to be a combination of things. And then you have players that look at the organization, the Mark, you know, Donaldson down, or the Clark and all them guys. You know, it's got to be, it's got to be a feeling and all, man. Hey, them guys doing their job, we do our job here. Not thinking, okay, why did they make this move right here? But you, you, you have that confidence. I think they have that confidence in not just their coaches, but the whole, whole organization as a whole. And then again, things gonna happen. Injuries, things gonna happen. That's where, that's just in life in general. You just gotta make adjustments and all too. And that's when you know, you know, even when Patrick got hurt and all, there's some adjustments. Kelsey got hurt. You know, Chris wasn't playing. I mean, there's a variety of things, and I think the team as a whole just kind of pulls together. Chiefs Hall of Fame defensive lineman Art Still is our guest right here as we are live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Art, before I let you go, favorite memory of your time in Kansas City? You look back on your career, so many awards, such an illustrious career. What was your favorite memory? Okay, this is is my favorite memory. Back with um, when Marv was in, initially and all, when Marv came in, uh, we used to have, you know, back then, you know, now they had those full-course meals, lunch, breakfast, and dinner at the stadium. Even during practice, we never had lunches back then. So this is a true story. We talked to some of the fellas, and especially we talked to Ted at night, and we talked to Tony Reed. We had to tell a little different story and all. But, you know, as a defensive lineman, I wasn't married. Tony Reed, Ted at night was married and all. That's why I should make them, them these beautiful lunches, man. Turkey sandwiches, barbecue ones, cookies, and all that stuff. And it just so happened, you know, we looked, it was a couple of us, Sylvester Hicks and Don Paris. We used to get out of meeting early and all, so we checking lock the boxes and making sure, you know, food is proper and they got the first kind of refrigeration. They had refrigeration on their food and all. We just, we just ate it. You know, yeah, we, we, we devoured and got rid of it for them so they didn't have to worry about that. So, <laughs> during the whole season, these guys' lunches was coming up all the time. And, um, so I think it was, Maybe second or third, the last game, them guys got real tired. Ted got upset. So he confronted us in front of the team and the coaches and all about stealing his lunches. I, you know, we didn't steal no lunches. We might have borrowed them, but we didn't steal them. <laughs> but the thing is, he told us, he said, I tell you, we're in denial again. He said, no, nah, we ain't here. He said, well, we'll find out today. Those three big chocolate chip cookies in there, because he knew it was three of the Migos. Uh, he said, wasn't chocolate chip, was x in so, so we, hey, you know, criminals, man, you know, we don't, there's no, no loyalty or no honesty. So me and Sylvester Hicks and same thing on Don, we sitting around, I, I ain't no cookies, I ain't. And about two-thirds, back then, you know, we had Donnie on the spots and all. So about two-thirds in practice, all of a sudden, I'm standing next to Sylvester, man, Don, my stomach started to rumble. Their stomach started to rumble. And we are all running for Donnie on the spot and all. And um, um, it was just kind of because everybody turned around and just started laughing at it. You know? But and then if you, if you talk to Ted and Tony, Tony Ted said, you know, he got his back. But all of my line is this. It says, where else in this world can you get a, a year worth of free lunch, a season full of free lunch, and you get a free colonic with it? Now, you know what? We won on that one. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, no, 
you know, it was just, you know, a lot of times just, you know, playing games, but, you know, that camaraderie that you have ball players and all, man, those are the things that kind of stand, you know, winning games and those types of things is nice. But again, the lifetime thing is, man, that relationship you have with fellas and all, when you see them now, it's just like yesterday. Oh, what a story. Chiefs Hall of Fame defensive lineman Art Still. Hey, guys, got some choppy chip cookies out there for my little back prop. No, I'm just kidding. Take some <laughs> No. Our man, really appreciate your time. This was this was awesome. No, no, I appreciate it too, man. If you guys, if you got some listeners out there, want to donate to the Depends Fund that we have here at the Senior Citizen Home, um, I would kindly accept that, man. Some Depends and some Insure, man, because I'm you know I'm getting a little low. Hey, we'll make sure to send you some cookies as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, hey, hey, extra Depends for that, though. <laughs> we'll take a quick break. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back into Sports Radio 810 WHB for the KC Legends Show live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. I am Sterling Holmes. That was so much fun with Art Still. I love me asking about what was his favorite memory of him being here and came to see that, that long time here. Borrowing cookies. Borrowing cookies. It's a great memory. (laughs) It's a good memory. (laughs) That was awesome. Uh, Those are the stories you want, though. That's that's what I want to hear. Yes. Don't get me wrong. The All-Pros, the Pro Bowls, you know, that's all great. We watch those. We watch those. We don't see him, uh, air quotes, borrowing cookies. Right. Uh, Because he gave them back. (laughs) Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Justin Ross was arrested Monday in Shawnee, Kansas, and is facing a felony charge of criminal damage of more than $25,000, according to Adam Teicher on ESPN. Ross was booked into the Johnson County Jail. No bond was set, and a court date for Tuesday was listed on the Johnson County Sheriff's website. Again, we will keep everyone updated as more information rolls in. All right. Tonight's game. San Fran, Minnesota. A lot of injuries in this game. No Justin yes. Jefferson, no Debo Samuel. Obviously, Trent Williams is banged up. CMC is banged up, but CMC looks like he is good to go. What are you expecting tonight? Uh, well, it's Kirk Cousins in prime time. So <laughs> I'm expecting the Niners to win. I think they even cover. Um, but I would take Kirk's unders on yards for sure. Oh. But it's just a, it's until he beats that. Hear me out. Then, I mean, especially against the Niners' defense. So Hear me out. I'm a buffoon, but I looked at the the betting numbers here. I took Kirk Cousins 300-plus yards and two touchdowns. I don't think they win, but I'm going garbage time, baby. I'm a garbage time stat pattern. Blake Bortles-esque. Mm. Yeah, that's what I'm going I am mad at you for that. Well, I've been burned by garbage time. I've had a lot of things good happen in garbage time, so... I understand. By the way, I think the Vikings cover the 49ers win. This was the KC Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thank you to Chiefs Hall of Famer Art Still. A phenomenal time talking with him. Up next, Vikings 49ers.